0: Of SatNav or even Google Maps or whatever other kind of device you might have. Though I don't think, even think there were mobile phones then. Um, but we, um, we were on the right route because on those particular French motorways, the signs don't appear until you actually hit the junction where you need to come off. But it was important to be aware and to pay attention. Because there were none of these kind of repeater signs like we would have, you know, London, 74 miles or whatever to keep you in the know on the way. You have to pay attention or you'd miss your turn. And in the same way, we need to pay attention to what God is saying to us as a church. Are we, are we on the right track? Are we on the right path? Is what God is saying now the same as what God was saying when Revived Church was started um, on, the, in the, on Mount Street in 2009. Is God still saying the same thing? Because living things grow, don't they? Living things grow and living things change. All living things grow and change over time. We grow and change over time. And, um, and for some reason this isn't working. Can you... Make sure we're on the, uh, you're on the screen so we can... Here we go. So look at that handsome group of people on there. Now, um, some of you might recognise a couple of people on there. there. was It was at my friend Martin Gudgeon's wedding. There he is. There's Martin. Yes, he really is that short. And um, that was his best man on the left. He was... Um, yeah, well done. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't remember his name. And then we've got Matt... Um, Matt McNeil and Simon Hollingworth, and there's me, look at that, stood in the doorway. Now I reckon, what did I reckon that was, maybe about 1993, something like that. Um, That was a borrowed jacket, can't you tell? It was kind of furry and sort of like, it was a bit sort of Miami Vice, it was that furry kind of mint green sort of thing, I kind of imagine Gary Campbell having something like that back in the day. Um, and a loud tie and um, so I have you might think I might have changed a little bit since then look at the hair hey look at that look at the hair but you'll see in these photographs the, the hair was a bit of a theme you see because living things grow and living things change and um, here's one slightly further back in time right here's, here's me with um, some of my friends I reckon I was about 16 here and that's not the, I'm not the scruffy one in the middle that's me and uh, Look at the hair. Hey, what's happened to the hair since then? Um, you see, I don't know where most of those people are. That's, hey? Eh? Something like that. And that's not a lady on that side. That was um, a guy called Jeff Holiday, who was, uh, who was a bit of a rocker. And then going back even still, it reminded me of uh, my youth camp days. Here's me, right, having my breakfast at a camp, you see how terrible the photographs were back then, at a camp called um, um, Solid Cell or Solar Cell, something like that. It was back in, I reckon that was about 1985. I think I was 11 there. Again, look at the hair. Goodness gracious me, what on earth happened? Sit <laughs> Breakfast cereal, cornflakes in that picture. You see, living things grow and growing things change. So change is a bit of uh, change, is an inevitability, easy for you to say. And as a church, we are 10 years old, and um, we've celebrated that this year. And it's a real time of a coming of age of the church, but also of us kind of adjusting the course and repositioning to see what God has for our future. We need to keep our eye on the course, plotting the course. And I kind of think of the church as being like a Um, I don't know, like an ocean liner or something. And and with Jesus as the captain, um, he's got the helm at the wheel and he's plotting the course for us for the future. But we need to be on board with that. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking some vision and looking at what the church is going to look like over the coming years. It seems fitting as we are 10 years old. And this is what the Word says still not working. It'll come to, in a minute, if you've got your Bibles or your devices, it's Isaiah 43 verse 19. It says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Now this is a key verse of scripture and I really want to encourage you with this. God is a God of the new things. God is doing a new thing. And God is making a way. Now, this passage from Isaiah 43 is a passage of scripture that I hold on to, particularly when times when um, finances have been really tight for us or there's been some concerns about what is going on. If you're in that boat, read this passage from Isaiah 43 because God is doing a new thing. And it says, Even the ostriches and jackals will obey me, it says um, later on in that passage. Now, obviously, ostriches and jackals would be scary things to encounter on the road. You know, you don't walk down into Staley Bridge and bump into an ostrich or a jackal, do you? You might bump into some other scary things. But um, it says even those scary things, those intimidating things on the journey of life will obey me, says the Lord. And so don't be intimidated by your circumstances, but keep trusting in the God, the God of the new things. Behold, I will do a new thing, says the Lord. Shall it not spring forth? Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And we've really got to believe that um, God is the one who moves us on to... From one thing to the next, that God will move us on and he will be the captain of our ship as we move forward. Because God has called us as a church to reach, to reach the community where we are, to believe that God's placed us here in this building for all of these people around us, not for us because this is a building that's got a car park and it's handy to get to, but because God wants to reach the communities around about us. That's why God, brought us here, to reach out to others and to reach the lost. Some time ago, in prayer, God gave me a vision of the church as an octopus, reaching out its arms into the community, into different areas and spheres of society. I don't know if any of you watched that documentary um, that was recently on BBC about um, an octopus, and this guy had an octopus living in his living room. Could you believe it? obviously in a big tank of water. I made Jackie sit through this documentary now then. This guy, you might think, how on earth would anyone have room for a tank full of salt water and an octopus in his living room? Well, he was a scientist and his wife had just left him and taken most of the furniture. So he suddenly (laughs) had space. So... He lost his wife, but gained an octopus. And this octopus lived with them in the living room. A fascinating documentary. You might think that really doesn't sound fascinating, but it was really interesting. (laughs) Jackie says no. Um, But to understand how intelligent these creatures are. And as I said, a couple of years ago, God gave me this vision of the octopus reaching out. And that there would be like the, the head of the octopus And from that head, from that um, nucleus point, that as a church we will be reaching out into different communities, different sectors of society, different spheres of influence, and we would be a church that reaches out. That reaches out and touches people that um, that other churches and organisations can't reach, can't touch. And they may be physical areas, physical communities around about us. We've always had a heart to be a church planting church, a multi-site church. But some of those arms may be even longer. There may be um, church communities, maybe in different nations, who knows. But I also believe into different sectors of society, into education, into business, into commerce, into other areas. And that that picture stayed with me over the years and it's something that God has developed and it's something that I've been looking at with the core team over the last few months as we look at seeing what is God saying to us and what does it look like moving forward. And I really believe that God has called us to be a church that reaches, that reaches out and um, really... Over the next few weeks, we're going to be unpacking what what reach looks like. But before we do, I think these three areas are kind of fundamental foundation stones of of a church that reaches. First of all, we need to be a church that reaches up in worship and in prayer. That reaches up. That our main relationship is, our primary relationship is with the Lord Jesus Christ. We are a worshipping church. If you didn't know that already, I don't know where you were between the hours of 10.30 and just after 11 o'clock. We went on a bit longer than normal today. But we want to prioritise our relationship with God, worshipping God. Because unless, unless we understand that it's all about loving Jesus, then we're completely lost. You see, we can have the very best organisational structure. We could have the very best programmes, the very, the very best outreach programs, kids' church programs, um, but you can have all the structure and, and all the business dynamics, but unless you understand how to love Jesus and how to worship Him, it's all empty. It's all for nothing. We may as well be Save the Children or some secular organization. Um, they all do a great job, but you know, our primary, our primary area to reach is to reach up in worship and prayer and to understand who we are in Christ Jesus. Because when we understand who we are in Christ Jesus, and when we have a relationship with him that is loving and and personal and intimate, then we understand God's heart, the Father's heart for the lost. So then we're impassioned and empowered to be able to reach out. That's the second kind of reach. To reach out in love, to reach out in compassion, to reach out in evangelism, to be a church that reaches loving the lost in our community and having compassion on others. Years ago, you know, evangelism used to be, we used to think of it as, as being the thing that you brought in a visiting evangelist to do. Or you might have someone who's really good at evangelism in the church. Oh, well, they've got the gift of an evangelist. Well, that's good. God raises up evangelists. like People like Billy Graham who Billy Graham brought in millions into the kingdom of God through his ministry. Um, But, you know, Billy Graham um, is with the Lord now. And um, we can't just wait for the next Billy Graham or the next Reinhard Bonnke or the next uh, Barry Woodward or the next big evangelist. God's called each and every one of us to reach the lost, to reach out to the lost and to live a life of love and grace and mercy and compassion that they will see something different in us and it will raise a question mark in their head. And we can um, share with them our love for God and what it means to us. Reaching out in love, compassion and evangelism is not about saying, oh yeah, well, in the autumn, in October, we always get an evangelist in. No, newsflash, right, we're the evangelists. Guess what? We're not going to pay five hundred pounds to have an evangelist come and and do a a one-hit wonder, and then we wonder why nothing's changed in the church, because we're all called to um, be evangelists. We're all called to to share the word of God, and we'll come on um, to that a little bit more um, towards the end of the message, which won't be long. We're also called to reach in. See, I think these are three core elements. Reaching up in worship and prayer, and we are a worshipping church. Reaching out in love, compassion, in evangelism. Loving the lost, loving the community where we're based. And reaching in, in fellowship and discipleship. God's called us to love one another. And we often talk about the church being an army. And Yeah, we all love to hear about it. We are the army of God. Oh, on with Christian soldiers. We don't sing it anymore, but you know, we like the idea. And it's good to be an army and to do a rousing battle cry to the people. But primarily, God's called us to be a family, to love one another, to encourage and support one another, to be a blessing to one another. I'm sure I've mentioned this before, but you know, what does that saying um, say? You can pick your friends, but you can't choose your family. And in every family, there's bound to be um, some... Unusual people who maybe you don't perhaps see eye to eye with, and there might even be a few annoying people, and that's the same reflected in the church family. There are, I'm not looking at anybody, there are a few unusual people in the church family, maybe even sometimes some annoying people, but God's called us to love one another, to strengthen one another, to stand alongside each other and encourage one another and say, you know what, I know you're going through a tough time, um, but... But I'm praying for you. I'm rooting for you. God is with you and I'm standing alongside you. That is family. And that is fellowship and discipleship coming together, spurring one another on to good works, spurring one another on to believe for something greater. Your breakthroughs coming. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to stand with you. Fellowship and discipleship. We need to grow together in understanding the word of God. There might be someone um, who holds a key verse that could really help you in your journey of faith. But how are you going to find that out if you leave immediately after every service, if you never go to an impact group, if you don't make the effort to attend the men's events, the ladies' events, or to do fellowship and community with one another? We need to do discipleship. So this is why we say our impact groups are so important. why our men's ministries, our ladies' ministries are so important as you come together, learn together and support one another as we grow together on the journey of faith. So we reach up, reach in, reach out. You know, I remember years and years ago, um, I had a bit of a, a... um, a utilitarian view of the church that, that all that means is that um, I used to go to church and then I'd evaluate it on the way home, thinking, What had I got out of church? and um, that's okay, but you know what? That's immature because God's heart is that we come to church wanting to invest, invest in others, to be a blessing to others, to invest in the worship, to invest with our giving, and to invest in being part of the community. And God soon showed me that um, I needed to come to church with a heart to bless, not evaluating the worship and evaluating the preacher according to what I got out of it. It doesn't always work that way. I remember um, going a few years ago, um, attending a conference, and to be honest, I was a bit burned out, I was a bit tired, a bit dry, a bit hungry, and um, I, I went to this event really wanting to hear from God, really wanting a blessing from God, and I'm sure, I'm not going to say hands up if you've ever been in that boat, because I'm sure a lot of people have, you know, I, I really needed a, a touch from God, a word from Him, or something in the moment, um, but I remember as it came to the final service, and um, they did an, an appeal for people to go forward um, for ministry, um, I was still feeling a bit tired and a bit drained and a bit this and that, but the, the appeal for people to come out for prayer didn't really fit where I was at. And there were loads of people, and clearly the prayer team was struggling um, just to minister to all of these people. And I remember the guy who was doing the leading saying, Look, if you're a pastor or a leader, would you, would you help us? Would you come out and pray and support us in praying for others? And, um, and I kind of felt like the Holy Spirit tapped on the shoulder. Yeah, that's you, sunshine. You're a pastor and a leader. Get out there and be a blessing. Get out there and pray for these people. And as I walked up to the front, I thought, Lord, you know, what, <laughs> what do I have to give? I'm, I'm dry, I'm burned out, I'm tired. Um, but as I started to pray for people, and God started to speak, as I started to do the stuff, God started to bring freedom and hope and life transformation to people. I was just one of many people praying, but as I allowed and God to just to just to move as I prayed, you know, it was just great seeing what the Lord was doing. And I left that meeting tank full because. I'd gone to serve and to bless others. And it wasn't about, okay, this person from the platform is going to do a big pointy finger and say, you, with the flowery shirt, yes, you, God would say this. But no, there was a blessing in serving. A blessing in coming alongside others. A blessing in in just letting other people cry on my shoulder as, as I prayed with them. It was a blessing and in many ways I was blessed to be a blessing to them because I just said okay Lord and that's the same way that heart attitude that we should have. We should come with a heart to serve and to be blessed to be a blessing. You see it's all about us being in the right position in the right place at the right time in the right position for God to use us. In the right position, and, and as we are positioning the church moving forward for the next 10 years, we need to be in the right position. You know, if um, if one of the people on the back row was going to throw me a ball, and they were throwing the ball to here, but suddenly I walked over here, I would not be in the position to receive that ball. You know, um, I like watching match of the day and seeing um, the sort of slow-mo goals and things. Man City, 4 4-0 fantastic. But seeing as, they, as um, Kevin De Bruyne passes the ball into the space and whoever it was Raheem Sterling running forward and he's in the right position to play the ball and score the goal. Now sorry if you've switched off if you don't like football but the point is you have to be in the right place at the right time in the right position to fulfill the potential. And we need to be in the right place to receive the promise of God. They're in the right position to receive the new harvest God wants to bring to us as a church in the right position to get into that place of breakthrough to get into the move of God to be in the right place at the right time we need to be positioned for God's harvest for us as a church and this and it speaks several times through scripture about positioning and being in the right place at the right time. And it says, Psalm 92:13, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. You need to be planted. And I would say planted here. Planted here where God has called you to be in the church. Planted, not just placed. You see, um, many of you know we have got a lovely garden at home. We're very blessed. Um, to have quite a long garden, and Jackie is really enthusiastic about it. She loves gardening. That's her happy place in the garden, and she loses herself amongst the plants, literally sometimes, and she, um, she works to bring about something that's beautiful. Now, we've also got, we've got some pots around the patio area, and we've also got some plants planted in the borders. Now, those pots... The plants in the pots, yeah, they grow, they look good, but they'll only grow to a certain state because they're contained within that pot. You see, they are placed, and they grow, and they flourish to a point. But even better, those plants that are planted into the borders, their roots go deep, and they grow, and they flourish, and they develop. And um, if you're not careful, they take over the garden because they're planted, not just placed. And we need to be a people who are planted, invested, with roots into the church here, to where God has called you to be, so that we can see God move, to be positioned for what God has for us in our future. Psalm 27, verse 14, and still in Psalms, also says, One thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. God's calling us to be a people who dwell, dwell in his presence, who spend time with him and then we're empowered and engaged and motivated to reach, to reach out, to reach up in worship and prayer, to reach out in evangelism and compassion and to reach in with fellowship and discipleship. We need to be positioned for that relationship and positioned to hear from God, to spend time in his presence. You know, we all have busy lives and um, I'm not immune from, um, from busyness and from tiredness and from getting a bit rattled from time to time. But I always know when I'm getting a bit frayed around the edges that I need to be spending more time in that secret place of prayer and worship and sitting with God. I've been reading a book recently um, by um, a guy called Pete Gregg. It's called Dirty Glory. Fantastic book all about prayer. And um, he tells this story in the book of one time he was walking down the street and suddenly he felt God point out a particular tree to him that was on the side of the road. And so he stopped in his tracks and looked at the tree, wondering what God was saying and thinking, is that tree going to fall over? And am I going to have to rush up heroically and push people out of the way so they don't get squashed? And after ages of waiting, watching for this tree to do something miraculous, he said, So God, what about that tree? And God said to him, well, it's a nice tree. I just wanted you to, to notice it. I like that tree. And um, he said, yeah, God, great tree. (laughs) God said to him, I just wanted you to enjoy the tree. Why do you have to be so intense all the time? Now, (laughs) that really spoke to me. (laughs) Because sometimes, you know, I can be like sitting in prayer, um, not on the toilet necessarily, but sitting in prayer thinking, oh, Jesus, you know, what is your word for today? What are you saying to the church? And um, trying to desperately like, squeeze the last drop of juice out of the orange and say, come on, God, what is it? What is it you're saying? But sometimes God's just saying, I just want you to be with me, to enjoy me. Why do you have to be so intense all the time? And so my, my message to self over, the, over this next quarter is to, is to not be so intense all the time, but to be a blessing um, to God in my worship and to speak to him and to spend time enjoying his presence. Pete Gregg, in his book, says this great quote. He says, We are qualified for Christian service by praying, not by our preaching. By our worship, not by our workload. By our knowing Jesus personally. Just as we draw things to a close, as we come in um, to land, over the next few weeks... You're going to get um, part of the vision um, expressed through the letters of the word reach. And um, this is is the first one of those. So R is for releasing people into their God-given destiny through community engagement, outreach, and evangelism. God-given destiny. Every single one of us here has a calling and a part to play. There's no passengers in the kingdom of God. We're all in this together. Part of the body. First Corinthians chapter twelve, you can read it at home, speaks about us being part of the body of Christ. Community engagement, an expression of God's love where we are, where you live. You don't live on your street by accident. And sometimes we have thought we live on our street by accident. It's a busy road. But God has placed us there for a purpose. God's placed you there for a purpose. To be an expression of his love. Uh, and to um, engage in our community through serving teams, through community outreach, through social gospel, loving the lost, and through things like the TLG um, coaching program. We've had some great stories of the lives of young people impacted through our TLG, Early Intervention Coaching. And if you're interested in going on, we've got a day's training coming up for that. Please speak to me afterwards. We've really seen it touch hearts and, and lives of young people. It's been an amazing blessing. We do other community engagement um, programs as well that you can be part of. And uh, lastly, Outreach. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 5 says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defence or a reason to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We're called always to have a reason for the hope that we carry. And this passage shows to us That we're all evangelists. We're all called to have a role. We're all called to live our life in such a way that it displays the glory of God to others. And just lastly, here's a quote for us to think upon. To be a witness is to be a living mystery. It means to live in such a way that one's life would not make sense if God did not exist. So I want to encourage you to be on board and to be part of what God is doing here. God has called us to be a people who reach, who reach up, who reach out, who reach in, and who are called to see his purpose, his kingdom purposes fulfilled. Where do we go from here? Well, this is what we're unpacking over the next few weeks. Would you just stand with me as we pray and the worship team return? We're going to sing, you make me brave again. You have to be brave to be engaged with what God calls us to do. Lord Jesus, I just pray, Heavenly Father, that over these next few weeks, as we unpack your vision and your purpose and your calling on us as a church, Lord, that um, you would just lead us into your presence, into your purposes. Help us, Lord, to remember it's all about Jesus and to spend time enjoying your presence in worship, in prayer, and just sitting with you and waiting on you. Lord, we love you, we worship you. Lead us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.